0: please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We are looking at verses 22 through chapter 12, verse 4. And actually, our focus today will be uh, 1 through 4 of chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 22 through twelve four. If you would please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane. I more so. in far more labors, far more imprisonments, beaten times without numbers, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A day and a night I have spent in the deep. I have been on frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea and dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and in hardship through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food in cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is a daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense concern? If I have to boast, I will boast on what pertains to my weakness. The God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, He who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. In Damascus, the atriarch under Eratus the king, was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. And I was let down on a basket through a window in the wall so as to escape his hands. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. I know... How such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. Father, help us to hear these words. Help us to understand the amazing realism in this text. Father, may we understand that this is the proof of the Apostle Paul. And yet, Father, it doesn't fit the forms that we hear boasted of today. Father, let us understand his humility. Father, let us be overwhelmed by his humility. And Father, understand that even though he had to bring this forward to defend himself among the false teachers in Corinth, that, Father, he detested it. Father, may that be the passions of each of us. We do not need to brag about nothing, only our weakness and what you do in your strength. Thank you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to wrap this section up today. And I want you to think about this for a second, because this is all sitting in the middle of spiritual warfare. What I hear denoted as spiritual warfare uh, is not. The Apostle Paul is, is dealing with it. He de- started in chapter 10 and he will go through 12 dealing with it. Alright. The key to spiritual warfare is speculations and lofty things that are raised up against the true knowledge of Christ. Okay. That is all it is. You're not running around arm wrestling demons. You're not casting out, binding up, or twisting around. Alright. You just need to know this that it is ideologies that come against the things of God. And I hear it every day in the Christian sphere. I don't have to, I know what the lost believe, okay? But if you listen to Christians, they've bought it hook, line, and sinker, all right? And I get into more problems telling them that they're listening to humanistic philosophy than I ever did dealing with, do you speak in tongues, Because what you're doing is you're going to take something that people have gotten accustomed to. And this works. Why? Because it seems right and it makes me comfortable and it's not. The Apostle Paul was being accused of being a liar. They were attacking his integrity. They were attacking his character. The reason is, the war is, if I can discredit the messenger... We can pitch his message. When you find men who are willing to stand adamantly on the truth, you had better be extraordinarily fervent in your prayer for them because there's just not that many and they are the targets We always think about a new believer and we really need to pray for this infinite Christ. Let me tell you something. Satan don't care about that new believer. He's already lost it. He wants to shut the shepherd up. If I can make the shepherd fall or even make an accusation against the shepherd, I can cause the whole flock to scatter. So when you run into somebody who is going to be dogmatic about the word of the Lord. You'd better cherish and you'd better be in fervent prayer for them. Because they are the target. Understand this. If you walk in that path and you want to be adamant about the scriptures. Guess what? You will be attacked with speculations and lofty ideas raised up against the true knowledge of Christ. Even in your own head, at times, they'll creep through. All right. So, what we've been looking at is how does Paul prove his apostleship? And yet, he hates to boast. He speaks of nothing. If you look at his life, what you will find is, little bits and glimmers of it through the book of Acts, but it's Paul telling Luke. Luke wrote Acts. All right? The only other time you find it is in this section. And one of the ways that he tells you that he is true is his experiences in suffering. Here's what you need to understand. False teachers don't suffer. all right? They're in it for their own comfort, their own glory, the money, whatever you want. They want the accolades. They want to be popular. True teachers will suffer. They will be called fools. They will be mocked. They'll be despised. They'll be called Pharisees. They'll be called religious zealots. They've come with all kinds of names. And it's a tragedy because people will buy it as the Corinthians did. And remember, the Corinthians were founded by who? The Apostle Paul. And so he goes through a list of his sufferings in 23 through 27 of chapter 11. Then in chapter 11, 28 and 29, he shows his love for the church. right? His daily concerns for the church. But he makes this statement there in verse 29. Who is weak without me being weak? Who is led into sin without my intense Concern That word intense concern in the Greek means set on fire. I'm aflame when people stumble into sin. Right? And, And think about that today. We just blow it off. Somebody gets into sin. Well, you know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. They'll figure it out. The Apostle Paul would confront it and strengthen and walk alongside them to bring them out of it. But he also had submission in 30 through 33. Because he was lowered out of a window in Damascus. To escape the hands of the the Jews were on the inside trying to get him. The Arabs were on the outside guarding the gates so that they could lay hands on him. And they lower him. How humiliating for the Apostle Paul. Think about that. He studied for three years in the desert under the Lord Jesus Christ. He spoke to the Lord on a Damascus road. He spoke to the Lord in jail. And then they come after him in Damascus. What does he do? Get me out of here. And they lure him in a rope basket. All right. Why? Because he knew that he could not put up with this conspiracy. He could not survive it. So he left. All right. Which brings me. To the first four verses of chapter 12. Paul's experience of the supernatural. This is an amazing text. Let me just read through this, okay? Just just a quick reading of these first four verses. It's kind of an astonishing text, actually. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ... Who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. know, I can stop right there. What do you add to that? What do you add to it? See, he goes beyond his weakness. Remember, he comes out of chapter 11. When he was lowered in his basket out of the window, that's that's how submitted he was. All right. But he says, I want to go beyond this. And yet he starts it like he has throughout this text. He starts with a disclaimer. Okay. Boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. See, he understands that he has to do it because of the accusations that have been leveled against his character. They're calling him a false apostle. And he's already expressed that through my suffering, I am true. Through my love of the church, I am true. Through my submission to what the Lord and what I have to do, I am true. True. And when it comes to visions and revelations of the Lord, you know what? I want you to understand. I've had some. But let me tell you something. They're not profitable. They're not profitable. Paul says he's had visions and revelations. And you know what he's saying? There's a caveat in that that is implied. The false haven't. The false haven't. I'm only talking of this because you made it necessary. But he says here, it is not profitable. Listen, it is not helpful. I wish, how many need to get a grip on that verse? I have people who will boast of what they're doing and what God has showed them. And I'm sitting here thinking, but it's not useful. It's not profitable. It has no building up to it. I had a pastor just a couple of weeks ago told me he went to heaven. And he says it's really beautiful. Well sure I am. And he said it in front of a whole bunch of people. And I'm sitting there going, I wonder if they think you're as stupid as I do. Because I don't believe you. You know, if a person tells me he's got a pink elephant sitting on his couch, I'm not going to convince him that he doesn't. But you know what? How much usefulness is in that? It's the same thing. And then he opens his mouth and says exactly what I knew was coming next, that God showed him what heaven was like, but he has too many important things for him to do. So he sent him back. Really? Is that what Paul said? Paul says, I have had visions. I have had revelations. And you know what? They Ain't useful to you. They're not profitable to you. So many need to get a grip on what this verse says. Visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul says, this really happened to me. But let me tell you something. It's not helpful for me to talk about it. It's not profitable. Write this verse down. 2 Timothy 3.16. Okay? Remember what he said. Visions and revelations are not profitable. Okay? Do you know what 2 Timothy 3.16 says? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. This is your profit. This is useful. Please understand it. I don't care what your vision is. This is useful. Visions and revelations are not. It is not profitable. Paul had him. Paul had some dandies. But you know what happens? Every single time I watch people walk into that venue. It always, 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 always emphatically builds up pride. The revelation or the vision becomes the temptation to pride, therefore it is useless. It is useless. Listen, if you have a vision, I'll look to heaven. How does that help the hearer? What does that do for you? Listen, they're personal. They were given to the Apostle Paul. And you know what? They have absolutely no benefit whatsoever for the church. It can't do anything. We write books about it. I went to heaven. What was that like? Well, we hung out in the grass. In the grass. I thought it was pavement of gold. How does that work? How is that useful? Well, heaven's coming. Well, duh. You see what I'm trying to get at? I le- Well, I talked to an angel. Well, hallelujah. Did it scare you? No. Then you didn't talk to no angel. Every time I see people talking to angels, they thought they're going to die. That's why Paul, when Paul left the church in Ephesus in Acts 20, okay, he commended them. I will commend you to visions. And revelations? Nope. But to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up. This book right here will build you up. It will strengthen you. The Corinthians had forced the Apostle Paul to talk of this, and yet he keeps telling them, this is not profitable. And yet, the subject is of visions and revelations. Guess what? It is not profitable. That word not profitable. It literally in the Greek means useless. It is useless. Now listen, the apostle Paul went to heaven and he's saying it's. Useless. It's useless. Why? First and foremost, I already mentioned it. It messes with your pride. It messes with your. Pr- I'm so important to God. Give me a vision. All right. I was at a Led Zeppelin concert. I had a vision. But I'm thinking that God didn't have anything to do with it. It was personal. It was for Paul. It has no bearing on the Corinthians. has no assistance to the Corinthians. And what has a bearing on the Christians of the church in Corinth or Christians today is the word of the Lord. Listen, extra biblical experience is useless. It is not helpful. And at the time it happened, God meant for it, for to be with Paul. But you know what's amazing about it? It's unnecessary when it comes to teaching the word. Let me give you a footnote here. I just want to, uh, people ask me, do you believe in visions and revelations? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But let me tell you something. As a believer today, the only revelation we need In addition to scripture, there's only one. Is the revealing of Jesus Christ at his second coming. I don't need nothing else. That is the only revelation that you and I will ever need. Nevertheless, for the sake of the apostle Paul's argument and in defense of his integrity, he will speak of visions and revelations. Now listen, all of Paul's visions had included a revelations, all right? But not all of his revelations would be in the form of a vision, all right? Listen, you guys can go research these because we could be here for a while. You can find his visions and revelations listed in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 22, Acts chapter 23, Acts chapter 27. So you see what I'm trying to get at? He he had a few, but now he gives his supreme vision. All right. Listen, he's seen the Lord on the Damascus road. All right. You don't have to do anything else for me. That's good. I'm good. I got her. All right. But he also saw him in jail. Go look at the stuff that he went through in Jerusalem. Verse two. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago. Stop right there. Do you understand that the Apostle Paul received the gospel by revelation? It was revealed to him. God, God spoke directly to the Apostle Paul. All right. Here, he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago. OK, he speaks in third person. Why? That's his humility. That's his humility. He says, I know a man. Okay, You know what? Most people that I have run into who've been to heaven don't come in with humility. They come in and say, hey, I went to heaven. But not the Apostle Paul. He says they were in Christ. He was in Christ. What is that? That's Christian. You know what is amazing to me? One of the most amazing things in this whole verse? Fourteen years ago. 14 years ago. I have never mentioned this in 14 years. Now you think about it. Luke never wrote it down. So he never told Luke. Hey Luke, dude, you know I went to heaven. There's a bunch going on up there and I can't talk about it. He never said nothing to Luke. The only time he ever mentioned it. You know what's amazing? He never mentioned it again. Just to the Corinthians. 14 years ago. Why? Because it's not helpful. It is useless. What good is it for me to say to you, I went to heaven? How does that help you? My response is always the same. Well, they didn't want you. You're back. Dude, they take me to heaven. I'm grabbing a hold of whatever I can. I ain't letting go. You ain't throwing me out of here. What good is it for someone to come up and say, you know, uh, the other day I I went to heaven. What does that accomplish for you? How does that help you? How does it help the person who says it? Besides the feeling of pride. I went to heaven. You didn't. It don't help you. And you know what? It may even make you feel left out. Well, I ain't never had a vision. I remember when I was getting ready to go to Israel, the word got out and I had all these people come to me who had been to Israel. It's great. And they kept telling me about the clouds that they saw and these, the way these sunrises would come through and God was talking to them and all of these things was happening and and you could see the clouds moving and it was God affirming His love for us and, and and you could see this one shaft of life on Mount Ereba and it came through and it lit the grass up and I knew that was heaven coming down. And they're going through all this stuff and I'm sitting there going... Yeah, dude, that kind of spooky. Okay. You know what? When I got there, I got ripped off. I didn't get a vision one. Not one. I just said, "I go, well, you got to be kidding me. Now I got to preach on the south steps of the Temple Mount. I got to preach in the synagogue across the street from Peter's house. That's kind of cool. But I didn't have no visions. I didn't even give a revelation. Well, I went down to the creek where, uh, what's his name? David picked up a rock and knocked out Goliath. I'm standing in the creek bed. Here it is. This is where it is. Show me a vision. And then I thought about it. I could get a big giant Philistine come running at me. <laughs> Never mind. I'll just stand here quietly. But I didn't get anything. But everybody I talked to, man, when I went, I saw things. And you know What? I remember a guy told me, he said, you know what? I went down into the tomb. And I got in there, and it's packed, and it is, it is. It's it's a circus. And he says, you know what? I was standing there, and all of a sudden, God removed everybody. And I was there by myself. He says, it's a miracle. And I said, well, yeah, because you can only get like two people in there. And one of you better be dead. No. <laughs> but, I, you know, I I said, now I had another guy told me, he said, that's where I got saved. I said, what? He says, yeah, I got saved in Jesus' tomb. Well, there you go. I'd have never thought that. But you see what I'm trying to get at? People get into this. You know, my thing is, you go looking for a sign, you will find one. Okay? The question is, who's it from? All right? So I run around Israel. I never saw nothing. Okay? I've seen a Corsi gunship go flying by Amphitheater uh, and Caesarea. And you're like, oh, that's kind of guys hanging out the window waving at us. And you're like, I don't think that's a vision. <laughs> I, I think that's real. <laughs> so anyway. Here's the thing I want you to think about. The Corinthians had bought into what the false teachers were saying. OK, this forced the Apostle Paul to say something about a trip to heaven. It had happened 14 years before. He had never spoken of it before. He had never speaks of it yet again. And he was silent about this little episode for 14 years. Let me see if I can help you understand this. The letter 2 Corinthians that we're looking at was written at the end of 55 and early 56. Okay? So that would make this trip... The end of 41, beginning of 42. All right. If you go look at Paul's life, that area is what theologians call the silent years of his life. All right. Acts 9 to 11. All right. You find out he spent time in Tarsus. Now, remember, this is after his conversion in Damascus. He had seven years after his salvation. Also remember, three of those years, he was in Arabia, studying the Lord. So he comes back about four years later. right? Right before he is commissioned with Barnabas in Acts 13. That's when he goes to heaven. You got to understand something. When Ananias came to bring his vision back, what did he tell Paul? You will suffer greatly. Okay. Anybody want to argue with that? The boy suffered greatly. I don't know anybody who suffered more. Just before he was launched into ministry to the Gentiles, he went to heaven. Okay. Why would the Lord do this? Well, I think the simplest reason is because he was going to suffer so much. Just go through that list that we went through. And then if you want, then take off in Acts 9 and just cruise through his life and say, Whoa, sign me up. Perhaps he has suffered more than any man in redemptive history. I cannot imagine the pain... He endured, whether it was physical or spiritual. He had to endure. To make Paul rock solid for him and all of the suffering. Listen, you stone me and throw my butt out on a pile of manure when if I come to, I'm leaving. Okay? You bunch of unfriendly, ungrateful <laughs> burn, baby. Okay, I'm like the sons of thunder. Should we go in and call fire from heaven down on them? I mean, that. not the Apostle Paul. Not the Apostle Paul. The Lord gave him a glimpse of the glory that was to come to help him endure. Endure. Listen, Philippians chapter 1 verse 23. Okay. Far better to depart... And be with the Lord. Now wait a minute. If 14 years earlier he went to heaven. That's kind of an understatement. How could anyone endure what the Apostle Paul did? Well, he knew what it was like. Because he had been there. What do you Now think about this. <clears throat> he takes his third trip to Corinth. After the writing of 2 Corinthians. Got it? His third trip. All right, when he's in Corinth the third time, he writes a letter to the Romans. All right, he's telling them kind of what his plans are. He's got some business down in Jerusalem, and then I'm going to come up to Rome. Maybe we can bear some fruit together. But I want you to think about something. He's in Corinth. He's already written 2 Corinthians. All right. The relationship has been restored and now he's writing to the Romans and in Romans chapter 8 verse 18 he says, the suffering of this age cannot compare to the glory to come. You got that? When he says that, do you understand? He says, I'm an eyewitness of the glory to come. And I'm telling you that I, nobody has suffered like me and I'm excited. About the glory to come. He saw the glory that was going to come. When he went there. When he wrote the Corinthians. And when he wrote to the Romans from Corinth. He said to the Philippians. Would like to be with you. But far better to be with Christ. See. He knew. Why it was better. He knew why it was far better. Why? He had been there. I believe God did that for him because of how great this man's suffering would be. And then he can write, so 14 years ago, and then it looks, (laughs) it's funny because he says, 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, and, and it was amazing at the number of people that I was kind of glimpsing around at commentaries and letters on the Internet and all the rest of it. And it says in the body or not in the body. And they all made the same statement. This needs a deeper look. Really? How deep a look are you going to get there, guys? If Paul didn't even know it. How are you going to know it? And what is the deeper look? But see, that's the pride of man. Well, we need a deeper look at this. But Paul didn't even know what it was. He didn't know whether he's in the body or not. So you know what? I came to this conclusion. I will be comfortable with my own ignorance. Alright? The Apostle Paul didn't know it. Guess what? Neither do I. That's sort of like people say, well, what do you think that was that Ezekiel seen? I don't know. I don't have any idea. (laughs) Okay, but you know what's cool? Neither did Ezekiel. (laughs) And he's standing there looking at it. It says, in the body, I don't know. Out of the body, I don't know. God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. Hapate, hapate, caught up. You see that word another time in scriptures? Paul uses it. I think he likes the word hapate. First Thessalonians 4, 7. You know what that text deals with? You translate it this way. The rapture. Caught up. Snatched up. A sudden snatching up. 14 years ago, he knew the time. 14 years ago, he knew the reality of the event. But he didn't know the nature of it. Other than the fact he was snatched up. It was suddenly. Uh, He was standing there minding his own business. And then boom, he was in heaven. And he don't know whether it was the body with him, the soul with him, or what was going on. But he was and then he wasn't. But you know what? God knows. Paul didn't. Okay. It says, was caught up to the third heaven. Okay. That's a Hebrew mindset. Okay. The third heaven, the first heaven is where the birds hang out. Okay. The second heaven is where the stars hang out. The third heaven is the abode of God. All right. So he was taken to the abode of God and he repeats it in verse three. And I don't know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows. So all these people who think they can get a deeper look at this, Paul makes two statements on it and says, I don't know. So I don't care how deep you want to get, but I don't know. So I am content to leave it there. But then he makes this statement. And this is fascinating. Absolutely mind-boggling fascinating. Okay, and I want you to think about this. The goes to the third heaven, the abode of God. For a Hebrew, everybody would have said, you go to the third heaven, that's where God hangs out. All right. This such a man was caught up to paradise, to paradise. Okay. If you do research on the word paradise. You talk about a rabbit trail. You will find out that the word paradise, what we have translated here in the Greek, that we translate paradise, actually comes from Persia. It's Persian Sanskrit is where it started. Okay? And the Persians, when they used the word, and please, I am not going to try to pronounce it. I have looked at it and said, I don't know what that is. That's that's be tongues right there now. I looked at it and it means a walled garden. Alright? Gardens, walled gardens are a big deal in the Middle East. Uh, Even when I was in Baku, you have the Middle Eastern influence and every house has this wall uh, that you can't see in and my hotel I could, I could look from the fifth floor and, and look into them and they had these gardens in them and they're full of just Gardens. I mean, there's some vegetables, but it's usually flowers and, and trees and bushes and all this other stuff. And if you're in a in a semi-arid desert area, you would have this place close to your house. It'd be walled into your house so that you could have something that looked a little different than dirt. Okay? And it was a big deal. It still is. Okay? The writing of the New Testament, it was still a big deal. Okay? But I want you to think about it because the Persian word that is used originally to get our Greek word for paradise. It was the king's garden. Right. Why? Well, who's going to have the best garden? right. King's got the best garden. So the Persian word paradise is what we get the Greek word from. And it speaks of the king's walled garden. When a Persian king wanted to give the greatest honor to an individual, he would make him a companion in his garden. Which meant that this individual that the king would honor had the right to walk in the royal garden with the king. You know what's cool? That's the word the Apostle Paul's using right there. To walk in God's garden with God. Paul says, I was caught up to God's garden, the abode of God, paradise. Paul walked in fellowship with him. In the king's garden. Now think about that for a second, because what is life in heaven like? Well, you walk in fellowship with God in His garden. Now, think about Luke twenty three forty three. All right, twenty three forty three. Jesus looks at the thief and says, "Today." You will be with me in paradise. Today you will walk with me in my father's garden. Okay. Now then, I watch a lot of people get their underwear in a bunch and says, Well, is this different than heaven? I will smile at you in my most loving manner and say this simple phrase. Have you not read? (laughs) Okay. Let me make it, I'm going to make it as simple for you as I can. Okay. Because listen, there's people who believe that there's paradise and then there's heaven. Okay. That's a great Mormon teaching. All right. But here, let me, let me see if I can make this simple. In Revelations chapter two, verse seven, it says that the tree of life is in paradise. Okay. But in Revelations 22, 14, it says the tree of life is in heaven. So which is it? They're the same. (laughs) Okay, look what else he says. He's walking in fellowship with God in God's garden. And he heard inexpressible words. Now, I'm not going to get into the Greek text of this. But I'm going to explain it to you. If you've got to have the information, I have a Greek dictionary and a Greek lexicon laying on my desk and you're more than happy to cruise. Okay? He heard words. Alright? What did he hear? He don't know. That's what the word inexpressible means. He don't know what he heard. It literally means unspeakable words. Inexpressible. Why? It is not helpful to talk about it. Didn't we deal with that a minute ago? Only ones I know are words spoken. When words speak, when you speak, I know what you said sometimes. Do you know unspeakable words? Because I've watched people try to dissect that and say, "Well, what did he say?" They were unspeakable words. Well, well but what did he? Th- well, it's unspeakable words. It is a language not of the temporal. All right, he heard things that could not be communicated on Earth. Okay. Now listen, I'm not talking about he's not permitted. I'm talking about what he was exposed to. He don't have the verbiage to explain on the earthly plane. Which makes sense. I mean, you're walking with God in his garden. And then if you think about it, when you step into glory in 1 Corinthians 13, you will know as you were known. How do you express that? Let me explain it to you. Well, that ought to keep you busy for a day or so. He understood that in the realm of the heavenly, but there's no earthly word existing to explain it. He could understand it when he was in God's presence. When he got back down here, it's like, oh. All right. What I saw was inexpressible. I can't explain it. It would make Ezekiel's little vision a piece of cake. And the thing is, Paul says, if I could express it, I'm not permitted to speak of it. See, brothers and sisters, if you remember something, when Jesus died on the cross, Okay, there was a veil in the temple, right, and it was ripped top to bottom. So you could look right through and see the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, That was sealed from human eyes. Why? That's the presence of the Lord. Okay, We still have a veil that exists. All right? The veil is between this place and paradise, heaven. All right? That is a realm you and I don't get. I, I don't understand it. I mean, think about it. Where is it? Well, it's on the other side of creation. All right. And today you'll be with me in paradise. Is that like really fast? Okay. Hey, I mean, what? All right. And yet you'll be with me in paradise. All right. You will have imperishable. You will only live forever in a, a body that has the ability to live forever. But you'll be able to do Strange things like walk through walls. I've seen people who thought they could, but you just didn't hit it hard enough. All right. But there's things I don't know. I don't know what the language of heaven is. I think it's Scottish accented Hebrew. I don't know. I don't know. The Apostle Paul says, if I could express this. I'm not permitted to. Why? There's a veil that covers between heaven and earth. And it hasn't been removed yet. It will. Remember, we're going to catch him, meet him in the skies. How do I do that? Okay. Let's to be another one of those. Well, will it be in the body or out of the body? Oh, God knows. <laughs> and yet, you know what? Paul had no desire whatsoever to share this. He hated to speak of this because it deals with pride. And you know what? It took him 14 years to mention it the first time. Okay, now I want to show you something real quick. and I want to close with this. I heard things up there that I can't even explain in earthly words. Okay, if I could, I'm not permitted. I don't want to talk about this. I have no desires whatsoever to talk about this. Now, listen, I don't know anybody more humble than the Apostle Paul. Never met him. Never met him. Anybody more humble than the Apostle Paul. So I want to show you a verse that's kind of staggering, if you think about it. Verse 7 of chapter 12. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given to me A thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. Because of this trip to heaven that God gave me, I get a thorn. Okay, and I seen these thorn bushes in Israel. They've got these really cool flowers on them, but they've got this stinking thorn that's about that long all over it. And you just look at it and you don't pet it. They're massive. I mean, they, they're like a, some kind of weapon. And you just look at it. And so every time I read this, I think, ah. OK, be stuck through the flesh to be staked by God to keep you Humble. So I'm going to ask you a question. You ready? Here's a question for you. Would you like to see heaven? Get a glimpse so your faith is stronger and more mature and you'd be rock solid. Knowing that you get Satan when you get back. Or would you prefer to see heaven when it's finished? When your race is finished. Is what I mean. Heaven is already finished. Okay. I listen to people. Try to tell her. You know. I'm going to have some kind of vision. I don't want one. Why? Listen. If the apostle Paul. Struggled with exalting himself. Because of the degree. Of re- the greatness. Of the revelations he had. I don't want no part of that. Okay. Because if you think you can do it. Get ready, Satan's coming. When these things happen, it will only elevate you. And you know what's really neat about it? Gotta stop it. Gotta stop it. Even if he has to put a stake in your flesh, why? He will keep you humble. He will. See, listen, Paul never referred to this for 14 years. You know why? It didn't help anybody. And he heard heavenly language that cannot even be translated in earthly words. Because that veil between heaven and earth has not been removed. When you think about a true servant of Jesus Christ... A true apostle of Jesus Christ. Do they boast? Because if they boast, guess what? They may not be true. Okay, listen. In the weeks to come, we'll talk of this thorn. Okay, but I still look at this man even saying here to keep me from exalting myself. He says it twice in one verse. Right? Which tells me he didn't like talking about himself. Says it twice. Because you also understand that in chapter 12, he says, When I am weak, then I am strong. Right? See, God's strength is perfected. When you are at the end of your rope. Let me tell you something. I want to be very specific about this. No other time. No other time. His strength is only perfected when you're done. At wit's end. Well, I'm almost at the end. It ain't perfected. God's strength will not be perfected until there's no more you. Not one second before that. All right? If you'd ever think be thankful for anything, be thankful for the apostle Paul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the apostle Paul. Father, thank you that you use him even today in ways that is still staggering. Father, I think about my dealings with so many people, so many who uh claim to be shepherds, and I think they don't sound like Paul. Father, I thank You for the men that You've brought into my life and in my years that uh, I uh, stand in all of their humility and then yet I look at the Apostle Paul. What a standard. Father, help us. Help us to understand that there are visions and revelations, but we only need one. Father, that it is through our suffering that our true metal is seen. Father, that it is through our love for the body of Christ and the souls that You entrusted to our lives that truth is seen. Father, it is our submission to Your ways are not our ways. And that, Father, even dealing in the supernatural, some things just are not profitable. They are useless. Father, let us be content in the place that you have us. But Father, let us not be complacent. Let us grow in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let us walk in a manner worthy. Father, let us be overwhelmed with the privilege of being children of the Most High God. To you, my Lord, my Savior, in Christ's name, amen.